Hey goalies, if you like shopping as much as the book squad does, you're going to love XO Mandy Sue. XO Mandy Sue is an online clothing boutique for women who love the beachy boho look. Inspired by today's top trends in beach towns and beyond, XO Mandy Sue is designed for the everyday girl. Right now, XO Mandy Sue is offering 35% off their entire site for Book Squad Goals listeners. Just visit xomandysue.com and enter Book Squad 35 all caps at checkout. That's Book Squad 35 to get 35% off your order. XO Mandy Sue, clothing that's good for the soul, not just the appearance. Monday, both when we're recording this and when you're listening to it, perhaps. Maybe it's some other day. And it's October! I drank a pumpkin spice latte today. I feel good about it. To start off October, we have a somewhat spooky book. Uh, Today we're talking about Fledgling by Octavia Butler. And to get us started today, my question is, if you could reimagine any supernatural creature, which would you choose to sort of rework and reimagine and why? Yeah. I'll go. Yeah. Hi, I'm Susan. And Hi, Susan. Uh, I would definitely choose Cerberus, the three-headed Ooh. dog, uh, and reimagine it as three really sweet doggies. Susan, that reminds me, the Cerberus thing reminds me of uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fluffy? No, not yeah. Fluffy. So I would pick Cerberus fluffy. mostly because it's three dogs and one dog. Um, and it's also huge. Three and dogs, one have body. Three. I mean, so much easier to walk a three-headed dog than to walk three dogs at once. Yes. And I'm all about having more dogs, but an easier time walking them. Yes. So... I would just ima- reimagine that as three very sweet dogs who love me and are very, very cuddly. Yeah. Nice. Be nice. I will go next. Yeah. Uh, this is Kelly. Hello. How's it going? No, just kidding. I already asked you that. Um, my <laughs> choice is uh, mermaids. Is that an acceptable answer? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um. I love mermaids, and I've always loved them, and I'm very fascinated by, like, mermaid mythology, and I just think it would be really fun to write, like, a a contemporary story about mermaids, especially since, you know, we read one that I was not satisfied with, so. Right. (laughs) That's my choice. Yeah. And I'm referring to the Book of Speculation. (laughs) What about you, Emily? Um, I'm gonna go with unicorns. I thought you might. Shocker. I just know you like unicorns. Yeah, I like unicorns. I am in a sort of like low-key unicorn club. We meet very sporadically. Mm -hmm. Um, Mary has come to meetings. I was an honorary member. Yes. Um, Mostly we watch unicorn movies and eat rainbow-colored foods. Mm -hmm. Um. 
but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I would reinvent the unicorn. I would just like to write about unicorns. So. I should have a mermaid club. Okay. You should. You should. Uh, this is Mary. Hey, Mary. I'm going to pick a not nice one <gasps> and say Frankenstein's creature. Mm. I uh, often run D&D games, and the first D&D session I ever ran was sort of like a reimagined Frankenstein's creature. It was a flesh golem. Ew. I don't know, just like <laughs> into the idea of a thing made out of other things, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of possibilities there. Some yeah. creepiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could do a Frankenstein's creature made up of a three-headed dog and a mermaid and a unicorn. Ooh. It would have so many heads. <laughs> it would have so many heads. <laughs> uh, but the reason, <laughs> the reason I asked about uh, supernatural creatures is because Fledgling by Octavia Butler is sort of reimagining and playing with vampire mythology. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and read the Goodreads synopsis. I I think maybe this came off the back of a book at some point. Because it begins fledgling Octavia Butler's new novel. And it's not new at all. Um, But she wrote this after seven years of not writing a novel. Uh, Fledgling is the story of an apparently young amnesiac girl whose alarmingly inhuman needs and abilities lead her to a startling conclusion. She is, in fact, a genetically modified 53-year-old vampire. Forced to discover what she can about her stolen former life, she must at the same time learn who wanted and still wants to destroy her and those she cares for and how she can save herself. Fledgling is a captivating novel that tests the limits of otherness and questions what it means to be fully human. Truly human. So that is the summary. From here on out, there could be spoilers. There will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. Let's be honest with ourselves. So if you don't want to be spoiled, stop here. And if you don't mind being spoiled... Come along. Spoiler, Shori is a vampire. (laughs) I just want to jump right on in. I had a hard time reading this. (sighs) I liked it a lot. um, But it was hard to read in points because of the obvious uh, reason. Shori, the main character, who is a young vampire, or Ina looks like a literal child. She looks like she's 10. People frequently comment about how young she is and how small she is and how much she looks like a child. But everybody wants to have sex with her because they are drawn in by her vampire powers. There's not technically an issue here in a way because she is 53 and by any human standards she would be an adult. But it's sort of unsettling, and I think it's meant to be unsettling, that everyone in the book keeps commenting about how young she looks, and yet she's having sexual relationships with all sorts of people. So I just wanted to know 
how you guys felt about that or how, like, if that made the novel any harder or, like, well, weird to read. You? Penelope is huh? already crying to get out of this room. Penelope. <laughs> um, well, I thought that, you know, that they really wanted to make sure you knew at all times that she looked like a minor. <laughs> very little. Yes. yes. Like there's a, there are a lot of scenes of her being like put into people's laps. Yes. Yes. Uh, and a lot is made of like how tall um, the other mm-hmm. female Ina are. Cause they're all like six feet. So she, she's like really small. Yeah. So I feel like that was definitely, uh, I think we're supposed to be kind of creeped out by that, right? Um, yeah. It's a, it's supposed to be a little weird um, that she's so... Um, Different? S- sexual? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was definitely super weird, like in the first scene before we realize how old she is. Cause it's just kind of like pretty quickly she gets into a car. So like the, the story starts and she doesn't remember anything as we said. Mm -hmm. And she like wanders out into the street and a car stops. Um, and this young man named Wright is driving the car and he pulls over and he's like, do you need help? Cause she's like this tiny person walking on the side of the road, like covered in blood. Dirty, yeah. yeah, and beat up, and yeah, and she strewn about her, covered, right. <laughs> she gets into the car, and like, but pretty quickly, they have like an attraction to each other, and it's mm-hmm. super weird because he thinks she's ten, um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but like once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a, for a while. She's 10, he she's but he's 10. so taken in yeah. by her Ina powers, you know, how yeah. she kind of naturally attracts people to her. Yeah. That he's like, I don't care if you're 10. Yeah. You know, like, I could go to jail, but who cares? Yeah, it's just kind of, like, I can't blame him because I know that there are forces at work that are, like, beyond his control. Yeah, I don't think this no, guy no. is, like, a, um, a pedophile. He's got a chemical attraction to her like because he's been poisoned yeah. by her like and she's she bites venomous him. so he's not but we don't really know that at that point yeah yeah so at th- so we're still as readers like right oh. but yeah so at that point i was like this is gonna be okay like uh i'm sure that this is going somewhere i had a feeling because she's a vampire i was like oh well she's probably like like, old, but became a vampire as a child. But it turns out that the vampires in this book are different, like, work differently mm-hmm. than the vampires that we're used to reading about. Right. Eventually, she's going to mature and become an adult and be able to have little vampire babies. Which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I guess, like, once I found out that she was older and I just sort of stopped thinking about it, even though they kept repeating, or uh, Octavia Butler yeah. kept repeating, like, she looks so young. But... I uh, just kind of read past that every time because I'm like, whatever, she's a vampire. <laughs> yeah, and remember, we did read a book. Yeah, where a young girl, yeah, the literal child, <laughs> where right. a literal child had a full-on relationship with an adult. Yeah, literal. Somehow, we yeah. Were having sex. <laughs> we were like, oh, this is so sweet. I love that book. Yeah. And now, 
with the vampire. So I still I stand by that. Still good. <laughs> and now though, even when it's a vampire, I wonder. Like, yeah, I think it was really just that very first, um, the first <laughs> sex, in sexual yeah. encounter with Wright, where she's like, I don't know, you can have sex with me if you want, and he's like. Uh, she's so chill. He like almost spits out his <laughs> Yeah. And she's like, I don't think I'm as young as you think I am. But she yeah. doesn't know. Mm-hmm. No one that's when it's it's weird because even when it's talking about them together, it's there's a lot of emphasis on like how far underneath yeah. him she is. Like he had to like hold himself up to not like smash mm-hmm. her face <laughs> underneath him. And I was like, oh no. Yeah, and then done. later it's like Stop. she's li- she's an inch under five feet, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> She's Jesus three inches shorter than us. Which is 4'11". I wonder... We're very yeah. small. Yeah, and we're I mean, small. No. But we don't no. look ten. Neither of you look like you're For ten. the record. <laughs> I hope not. I wonder if this, her looking so young is just trying to, like, further other her for us. Because I know, and this is just me knowing a little bit about Octavia Butler. Octavia Butler writes about race a lot, and it's pretty clear, for reasons we'll probably talk about later, that this book is about race, too. But Butler's really concerned with how people are othered, and especially because of race. And sometimes, instead of just saying, hey, this is about race she'll do the science fiction thing and actually it's not about race, it's about them being an alien, right? But we can read race into all these things. And by her being 10 or looking like she's 10, she's not really 10, it just makes it (laughs) weirder for me because at this point, and even at the point when this novel was written, vampires weren't that weird. Vampires are pretty integrated into pop culture. You know, it's not super scandalous anymore to have a book about vampires so i wonder if this was Mm -hmm. just another way to further distance shori from how we see well i mean yeah she's an other within the vampire community and like a whole big thing that happens in the end (laughs) is like we we, vampire community well yeah because i mean like in the end they don't even want to the Ina community, but in the end, they don't even want to like claim her as an Ina. Like a lot of the different families are like, she's not even right. really Ina. Look at her, she's little. Um, <laughs> she's little. She's black. She can walk around during the day. But, like, like, yeah, yeah. So many things. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, that she is different <laughs> genetically. In the unicorn community, look, there is a unicorn community. I'm gonna write about it. I know. You seem to yes. be in it. <laughs> Emily's an active member wow. of the Unicorn Community. I feel, I feel judged. Yeah, Susan's just no, talking to she's kind of jealous. You should be. <laughs> unicorn, unicorn jealousy. My <laughs> Penelope one, just bit it's, me. It's a defense mechanism. I have to let her out. Aww. <laughs> Do you feel drawn to her now that she bit you? Do you feel a chemical attraction oh, no. to her? <laughs> That could be bad. That could end bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, you know what? I was gonna make a a very inappropriate joke. How did it feel when she bit you? Cat, so. Was it was it good? <laughs> it's your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> we're, I mean, we're kind of segueing into 
One of the things I think is most interesting about this novel is how it plays with the mythology of vampires. So, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, even though I had an incredibly sheltered childhood, for some reason vampires were, like, in my toolbox of fictional things I knew about very young. (laughs) And I have super vivid memories of, like, sneaking and watching Interview with the Vampire when it was on TV late at night. Well, that's a sexy movie. And we're so familiar with vampires, and a lot of that comes from Bram Stoker's Dracula and sort of folklore. But Butler's changing it in a way. First of all, like we've been saying, they're called Ina (laughs) instead of vampires. And they don't really adhere to a lot of the rules that typical vampires adhere to. And they even kind of like at some points in the novel poke fun at those superstitions. Like, well, you know, of course, if you get hit with a stake in the right spot, you can't recover from it. But if it only gets like half your heart, you mm-hmm. can recover from it. Uh, so I don't know. I wondered how you guys would compare this novel to other sort of like quote unquote vampire novels do we even think that this is within the genre of vampire novels like what kind of book is this well i promo for my latest stint on yeah. everything trying to kill you soon there will be an episode out about interview <laughs> with a vampire and i made my feelings known there but let me just state it here for the record the only vampires that are real vampires are Anne Rice vampires. Everything else. Is I mean, fair. she's oh, built her career on creating claim. this. No, no, no. It's not a bold claim. It's what about true. Dracula? Like, no, <laughs> fake. Dracula's fake. I don't know now. Yeah, all of that stuff is no. All of that stuff is superstition. <laughs> the true, like the the way that vampires work are, I mean, exactly how Anne Rice said it. That's how vampires work. Okay, so what are her rules? I'm not familiar. So, um, vampires can't go out during the day. What happens um, if they go out during but the day? They'll burn up okay. and die. Um, mm-hmm. and that's how Claudia dies. Spoiler alert, y'all. If you don't know this already, it's an old fucking book. Okay. <laughs> it came out a long time um, ago in the movie. Came out like 1993. It came out a long out. ass time ago. Yes. You spoiled it for me. Oh, so. my God. All right. You can. It, it, it was. Oh, my God. It's so good. You should definitely 100% read this book. It's so fucking good. But, um, yeah, if you go out during the day, you will burn up and die. You do have to sleep in a coffin. Um, however,. Crosses don't do anything. Garlic doesn't do anything. You can see yourself in the mirror. Um, you turn other other people into vampires by drinking their blood and then having them drink your blood. Um, and then the like process is kind of like painful, and there's a whole like transitioning time. Um, you don't age, and you can't change your appearance. So at one point, Claudia gets really frustrated because she gets turned into a vampire when she's a child. And um, she is upset that she's never going to change and she's never going to become a woman. So, like, in an act of rebellion, she tries to cut off her hair and it immediately grows back. Um, I don't know. Anything else that I'm missing? Anyway, uh, I mean, like, I think it's, like, I, I mean, at least on the podcast, 
everyone kind of agreed, like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's just known that Anne Rice vampires are real vampires. Everything else is kind of just, like, superstition. I mean, vampires themselves are superstition. (laughs) Well. (laughs) So. (laughs) All right, whatever. (laughs) Y'all I can't even compare this to other stuff. I, I, I mean, like, Anne Rice. I don't, Y'all just need to read Interview with the Vampire. It's I can't really good. Think of any other vampire stuff that I just, know? Oh, I know a ton of vampire stuff, but I mean, I really don't. Like, I, I don't really like vampires. I watched True Blood. Of course, I did. Oh yeah, I watched True Blood I, also. <laughs> yeah, I uh, read two Twilight books and gave up. Um. I've, I've seen, seen all the Twilight movies. One. Oh my god, how? Of them? Like how? They're so um, bad. Well, I, good. The Vampire Red Slayer. They're hilarious. Forever, obviously. I haven't even watched right? Buffy. <sighs> I can't even talk like, to You know why I didn't watch True Blood? Because I don't like vampires. I like vampires. Have you read yes. Dracula? Do okay. I love Dracula? No. I re- Not. No. I really, I really like Dracula. I think it's a good novel. I mean, yeah, it's and it's doing some interesting things and like ushering in a new era of literature. But that's not what people want to hear on this podcast. You want to hear about hear vampire about sex? My thoughts on the long Victorian <laughs> literature period. I would agree that Anne Rice vampires kind of like hold the biggest real estate in my heart for yes. vampires. And I think I think a lot of the things that um, we now think of as like mm-hmm. traditional vampire stuff for Anne Rice is like really firmly connected to Anne Definitely. Rice and Anne Rice's and imagining of vampires. So like a lot of the things that I don't know like get kind of like made fun of even like the Key and Peele vampire sketch was yes. like very like. Uh, making fun of the, like, Anne Rice vampire, and I... About how all vampires are sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Where do the Twilight vampires fall? In, um, in the worst part. In, in, <laughs> in the trash. I think Twilight is definitely yeah, indebted I mean, to Anne Rice in a lot of ways, because although Anne Rice adheres to, like, traditional things of sunlight will kill vampires and... You know, they have to sleep in coffins, stuff that Twilight doesn't necessarily adhere to. Still, like, the perception of vampires as being this really illogically alluring, sort of sexy type of person Mm -hmm. is definitely Anne Rice. Yeah. Because if you go back to stuff like Dracula, Dracula is not sexy. He's very ugly. Yes. And gross. Um, one could argue that Robert Pattinson is not that attractive. I just need to no, quickly but... just put this out there that my favorite, and when I say favorite, I mean least favorite thing about the Vampires in Twilight is that instead of burning up in the sun, the reason they can't go out in the sun is because when they go in the sun, their skin sparkles. <laughs> And so if they go in the sun, people will see them sparkling. No. And they'll be like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah. You're all sparkly. 
And that's why they can't, like, it makes no sense. I feel like they could just be like, no, we're not. You're on acid and get away with it. Right. Or like, so what? I'm sparkly. Like, so dumb. What's, what's the threat there? I like Which is why the vampires in Twilight can go to high school and live in Seattle. Like, because it's cloudy there. Oh, whatever. I literally read 200 pages of that first book and I was kind of, I was recovering from surgery when I read it and I threw up. (laughs) While reading it, and I feel like that is a sign. And I all I did stop reading mm-hmm. there. It was not meant to be. You weren't supposed to read it. I vomited. Unrelated, but during. What? So I mean, I'm just saying it's kind of related. <laughs> it could have been related. You, you really don't know. I the thing is too is like Anne Rice's rules for vampires. I'm I'm gonna stop talking about <laughs> Anne Rice, but her rules for vampires do make sense. Uh, in a logical way if we can apply logic to such things. So, like, I'm thinking about vampires can see themselves in mirrors, where notoriously and stuff like Dracula, vampires cannot see themselves in mirrors. But, fun fact, it's because mirrors used to be silver-plated and there's some stuff with vampires in silver. So now that that now that mirrors aren't made out of silver anymore, yeah, why wouldn't they be able to see themselves? So where does the cross mythology come from? Just like I don't know. thinking that they're demon, like demonic, you know, demononic. Yeah, I yeah. More I'm just wondering, like, where because ten minutes than I knew before. I'm not because <laughs> that's like a really common rule. So I'm just wondering, yeah. like, where that one originated. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's kind of like. All like a lot of horror movies that get made now that are about demons and stuff. Like I'm just thinking, Emily, I just saw the nun and they did some of this <laughs> and that. Like horror movies now love to do the thing where they're like, We've called in a priest and he's going to mm-hmm. save us with his holy water and his crosses and then the demons are like, I don't care about your crosses. Yeah. You know, so like it's I Does think it it's pretty standard. Me? Yeah. <laughs> Special demon. I'm going to lap up that holy water. I love holy water. Yum! I think horror movies are trying now to, like, sort of play with the genre and do stuff that's unexpected. But in doing the unexpected so much, it's now kind of expected in a way. Yeah. But to get back to the novel. uh, (laughs) What I'm going to police myself. Twilight. Wait, what was the uh, question? Get- the question was, do we consider this, like, part of vampires? Emily's answer is yeah, no, like, because nothing is part fit? of vampires except for I animals. say yes. <laughs> well, y'all, when I tried to call them vampires earlier, you were all like, uh, they're Ina, so fuck you, so. <laughs> I didn't. I'm only going to call this vampires, because to me. I would put this sense. in. It says vampire in the description. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Because if it said Ina reading the back of the book, you'd be like, what? You'd be like, excuse me? What is that? You mean Well, and Shori, to begin with, calls herself a vampire because that's kind of how Wright describes her. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know anything. She doesn't know anything. She has amnesia. And he says, oh, you're like a vampire. And she's like, yeah, I guess it must be. And she researches vampires. And it's only when she meets other people like her that they're like, no, you're Ina. (laughs) Vampires That's aren't how real. I imagine Don't be silly. talking. Don't be, silly. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Uh, also, they might be aliens. Yeah. So yes. that's a thing. They think they could be aliens. So, like, I guess, how are the Ina different from vampires? Well, they do age and die eventually. Yes. It just it takes a really long time. They're born Ina. They can't... Yeah, they're born Ina. They can't turn other 
um, humans into Ina. They can have romantic relationships with humans, but they can't have babies with humans. They can only have babies with other Ina, but the fact that they can have babies at all is, like, weird. Because usually usually vampires are dead, but Ina are not dead. And when they're with humans, they make humans live longer, too. Mm -hmm. And they have to have sort of, like, a harem of humans called symbionts. (laughs) I was wondering how we were going to pronounce that. I was, I think I was reading it, like, symbionts symbionts but i also was like i just kind of like skipped over the word every time i came to it because it's not yeah, a very graceful your word brain just passed over it. yeah i was just like that word again i remember like, i listened to it so i should know yes yeah, i think it's symbiont they only say it about a thousand times <laughs> maybe i tuned it out every time so I heard it. <laughs> uh, maybe so it's each ina has to have a group of like six or seven symbionts to feed off of. And all of these people, all of these humans sort of like live in a little family unit. Sometimes they get married. Sometimes they have kids. Sometimes, you know, they have normal jobs and live normal lives. They just live in this weird communal. Mm-hmm. It's like a cult living sort of situation. <laughs> it's very culty. Yeah. It's very, very culty. It feels culty, and it also... I mean, I wonder if people read this book and think, like, ah, yes, a polyamorous relationship. We're in the cult community. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like uh, way back, if we can think so far back, to Perfect Little World. I was just thinking about that. Which we've talked about before not, yeah. on the podcast. I was hoping that Perfect Little World would be more like this, where it was just yeah. like a bunch of families getting it on, and yeah, I don't know. I was almost more interested in the symbionts than I was the Ina, because I was like, y'all are freaky. <laughs> yeah. Emily and I were talking about this, that it was so hard to, like, there were so many characters in this book yeah, that just yeah. kept getting introduced, and it was really hard to tell the Ina apart because they all look the same. Mm. It's like he was also tall, pale, slender, and blonde. Like, <laughs> there's only there's one family. It's two women, and they're both short and evil. <laughs> and evil. That's how you know they're evil because they're short. Yeah, and uh-huh. something's just not right about them. It's interesting. I think it was really interesting. And we never see this in the book. We just hear them talk about it, that the Ina can have babies and, like, biologically reproduce. Because that's something I don't think about, really, with vampire mythology. Right. And there's also a lot of... There's a lot of stuff with, like, all the women Ina live together and all the men live together and they can't... The women and the men can't live together because of reasons. And all, like, a group of brothers will marry a group of sisters, and they all mate together. You know, like you do. Yeah, and then she, like, like, you can't be around your, like, adult brothers and dad because there's a weird sexual energy or something. Yeah. That was uncomfortable. It was... Well, it's, the women are really powerful, it seems yeah. like. So I wasn't quite sure what... I got the sense that, like, if the women were around the men, it could be actually, like, harmful to the men, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I mean, I, I got the impression that the women's scent and... 
like pheromones essentially would be so strong that the men wouldn't be able to control themselves or something. Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't super clear either way. I just felt icky about it. (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely very icky at parts. I felt icky because, you know, like current events wise, we've been talking so much in the news and in pop culture about sexual assault and one of the arguments that people commonly levy against women who have been assaulted is, well, like, you were kind of asking for it. What were mm-hmm. you wearing? Right. And for them to be like, well, you smelled good. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't like, control myself. I couldn't I'm control like, keep myself. keep it in your pants. Eat them in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, to back up to the symbionts, a lot of the drama in the book, I think, comes from the symbionts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially Shori's symbionts as she's kind of like assembling a little crew, a little family to live with her. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about how like you have to guide your symbionts to be kind to each other and be mm-hmm. in a good relationship. Because they're all obsessed with you and yeah. if you don't like try to keep them in control they'll like hate each other and get in fights yeah. because they all just want to fuck very you. big love and it's not fair <laughs> they don't want to share she is built there's like there's parts in it where shori takes a second male symbiont and writes like oh i see <laughs> yeah he's a guy so, and he like punches a wall yeah mm-hmm it felt like it felt like octavia butler in a way was making fun of petty male jealousy <laughs> yeah i felt I, de- I definitely felt like there was some commentary about that because it did seem like everyone who had a problem was male. Yeah. Except for Celia. Well, a problem with the arrangement. Yeah. Because yeah. there were definitely some people who had problems mm-hmm. that oh. were women. Well, yeah, not mm-hmm. just, like, generally problems, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Everyone who was, like, mad or jealous or, like, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way. Was a dude. Except for, you know, that woman at the end who was like, I don't want to die this way or, like, I don't want to be punished this way. No, she was like, I don't want my legs to be cut off. I want to die. So I'd rather just die. Yeah. (laughs) Even though my legs will grow back. In two years. And I will live to be 500. That was literally insane. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) She she was the worst. (laughs) That was insane. So She was the worst. To... To, like, explain a little bit, if anybody's listening and hasn't read, in, like, the last third of the novel, it kind of turns into a law procedural yeah. in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, like, law Which was, like, really weird. Okay, like, so I don't know what's happening in the news right now, but here in October 1st land, we're still, like, reeling from this big trial that happened last weekend. Well, not a trial. Or last week. confirmation weekend. hearing. Yeah. Right. But it was kind of like a trial. Like a trial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Like, I, I was getting some, like, I'm, and maybe this was just me, but I was making some comparisons in my head. Mm-hmm. I was drawing some mm-hmm. parallels based on just, like, you know, we have... And, and I'm sorry, we're going to break this down in a minute, but just like as just have this in your mind as yeah. you're as you are listening to us explain this trial. On the one hand, we have Sh- Shori, who uh, is defending herself against um, a powerful group of people who probably who know that or no, mostly men. Cool. 
Well, but they know that she's probably telling the truth and they're just trying to decide if they care or enough to like sort of like disrupt the status quo. Yeah. Like, I mean, is that not what is, was happening? How yeah. much is the truth worth like is the truth like sort of like going against this big family exactly which to me was like huh how interesting that this seems like very topical right now considering what just happened in the news yeah with that in mind sorry no no i agree i I completely was feeling the same way as i was reading especially because i read this novel really quickly and i read it all after the hearing so it was fresh. It was fresh in my mind, and it's hard not to draw a comparison when there's, like, a big current event happening and you're reading something. Yeah, especially when um, the main defense that these that the people are lodging against Shori is that she is not of sound mind. And, yep. you know, she how like, she can't you can't remember. believe her. Don't take – it's, like, her word against someone else's. Mm-hmm. And it and, really does boil down a lot to, well, we don't think she can remember things. Yeah, and she mm-hmm. is the other. She is – this. Sorry if this is starting to sound like liberal propaganda. Uh, <laughs> if you are listening to us and you don't realize that we're a bunch of liberal propagandists, then uh, where have you been? Yeah, sorry if this sounds like liberal propaganda, but it is. I mean, I anyway. would say, like, <laughs> these are all our personal opinions, but of course there are personal opinions because we make the show. This is a podcast. It's a fucking podcast. Welcome this isn't podcast. a news program, okay? <laughs> but so, so what happens is, Shori... <laughs> As she regains her memory, or she doesn't regain memories, but Shori, as she finds out more about herself and about her family, discovers that she was in a settlement with all of the women in her family, and the settlement was burned down, and she was the only one to live. While she's staying with her father's family and her brothers, they also get attacked, and everyone dies except for a couple of symbionts. Then... Shori travels to a house with these symbionts where the house gets attacked (laughs) and they make it out. But by this point, they're like, maybe someone's trying to kill us specifically. Right. So they travel uh, to California to stay with the Gordons, another family that one of the symbionts remembers. Way too easily, by the way. Way too easily. She's like, I think I remember the road we went down to get to their house. Yeah, let's just drive to California and wing it. (laughs) There was was also a lot of detective work happening here and during the trial stuff. So there were, like, a lot of genres getting mixed together here. There was a lot going on. But they stay with the Gordons, and after explaining everything to the Gordons... The Gordons say, well, uh, we need to have a council meeting. So they... Well, they no, but before the, before they even have the council meeting, they get attacked. Yes, there's a series of <laughs> they attacks. catch some people who are doing it and like ply the name of the family who's doing the attacking or commanding the attacking out, and it's a family called the Silks. And then the Gordons are like, "We have to assemble a council." So they assemble seven representatives from seven families who are related to both the Silks and the... Matthews, right? Matthews, in some way. All these people come, 
And it's kind of exciting. It's like a party on the commune, you know? Like, everybody's All there, the symbionts are having these, like, symbiont parties where they're, like, doing drugs they're and dancing like, and making out. Having sex <laughs> yeah. with each other. They like beer, okay? <laughs> the guys <laughs> like beer. The girls like beer. <laughs> it was just, it's just fun. Like, everybody's using this as an excuse to get together and catch up. But then at night, every night, there's some serious trial stuff happening. <laughs> Yeah. And it essentially is the two oldest members of the Silk family who are putting their word up against Shory's word. Also, Shory's, they're real racist. They yeah, use the well, N-word. Yeah. Like, I think the first night of the trial, one of the Silks are like, she's not even Ina, she's black. You right. Know? Like, she's, and like, does, uses a bunch of racial slurs and calls her like a dog or something I mean, like, really bad yeah it's it's Who like compares her to a dog yeah. yeah yeah and it seems like they're having just as much of a problem with the fact that she's black as the fact mm-hmm. that she's part human because at first mm-hmm. they're like she's not one of us because she's part human but also like and yet yeah even after all of this outburst from the silks people are like well, I think we need to hear, hear more. I would be like, well, I'm ready. Right. I'm ready to vote. Right. And also, it's really interesting. Again, can't help him draw comparisons. Everyone keeps advising Shori that she needs to not get emotional. She needs to hold right. her temper because that can be used against her. Meanwhile, these super old white dudes are acting all sorts of angry. Yeah. Screaming. And like one of them actually like jumps at her towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, like, and still people are voting for them. They're, like, rooting for them on their side at the end. I'm like, what the? Anyway. I'm just feeling very sensitive and emotional right now, guys. I know. I'm having, I get it. And it was very realistic in that way. I had a rough time with that confirmation hearing. So. Yes. Can't talk about it anymore. Towards the end of the trials, or in the middle of the trials... Uh, one of Shori's symbionts, Theodora, is murdered. Oh, that made me so sad. That was sad. Uh, it was very sad. Shori is emotionally distraught. One of the things they talk about throughout the novel is how close the Ina are to their symbionts and how it's sort of like a mutual relationship. They both love each other and care for each other. And they also both physically need each other. And when one of your symbionts dies, it's like, you know, someone you, anyone you love dying, anyone you're and really And Theodora close to. was such a like sweet little librarian lady. Yeah. She was a poet. Old librarian. She, she they poetry. had such a tender relationship, you know. She's like an she older would come woman. and visit Theodora at night, and they would hold each other, and she'd be like, "Please come back." And Ugh. someone killed Theodora, and we hear about these relationships with the symbionts, and we see sort of like how they live together, the Ina and the symbionts. But when Theodora dies, we get like a fuller picture of Shori's grief. And how she is physically and emotionally ripped apart. And even in the midst of all of this, of her having to sort of like relive this tra- this very fresh trauma in court, everyone's telling her, don't get emotional about it. Um, we find out that in addition to the Silks being super racist, 
their advisor, sort of like their representative in the trial. Uh, what's her name? Dolman. Catherine. Catherine Dolman. Yep. Oh, she she was insane. She is the one who ordered one of her symbionts to kill Theodora. Mm-hmm. And she, then she also like barely tries to stuff. pretend that she didn't that she didn't do it. She's just kind of yeah. Like, she's yeah, like, oh, she I was like, mm. I don't. She says like, I don't know where my symbiont went. Maybe he went to Phoenix or maybe Chicago. I don't you know, know, he's got family. He's got hoes in different area codes. <laughs> you know, and and someone else was like, um, why don't you know where he went? Like you're physically connected. <laughs> Yeah, like, you depend upon him to stay alive. Like, clearly you sent him away because you were worried he was going to get murdered for yes. murdering somebody else. Like, clearly that's what happened. still, she was like, yeah. oh, I don't know. He's, he left. And still, there were people on the um, council that were like, I side with this lady. Mm-hmm. Catherine because- Dahlman is the one who they found her guilty and she said, uh, no, I don't accept the punishment of getting my legs cut off, even though it won't kill me. Just kill me. Yeah. <laughs> and then she comes, then she comes at Shori and her symbionts with a rifle. Oh my God. Yes, just to shoot him. This seemed like such a wild thing. Cause I mean, I think when we think of trials, we very much have like the law and order vibe where it's like they bring the convicted person in in handcuffs or like it's very civil. But this was like people were jumping at each other. Because yeah, they're like, this is an ancient practice. And like there's even one point when right. Shori is having a conversation with one of the other male Ina, like, as he's explaining how the process works to her. And she's like, and he, like, explains that humans have one way of, of doing trials. You may have seen it on, like, television or whatever, but our way is different. And she's like, is it though? <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't seem so different, except this woman came at me with a rifle. Yeah, he, like, tries to make it seem like it's more civilized and just, like, a better strategy, but it's just as fucked up as our court system. Mm-hmm. And it even, like, sort of concludes, like, it can, it conclude the trial section concludes with, like, how everyone voted, and so many of the people still voted with the silks. Like, yeah, they probably did it, but, like, we've known them a long time, mm-hmm. and... They're old. It's fine. They're old. (laughs) Which is, it's just, it's crazy. I wondered how you guys felt, like, on a general level, though. Like, the last third of the book, while it was maybe the most interesting to me, felt like a major shift into sort of, like, this procedural drama of a trial. With, like, a few dramatic murdery moments thrown in. And I just wondered, like, did you guys see this as a tone shift? Did you like yeah. this part better or worse? I thought that there were several tone shifts in the novel. Like, the beginning when she's just with... Um, right. Why can't I think of... Right? The beginning when she's just with right, it feels one kind of way. Mm-hmm. It feels like more, I don't know, like traditional vampire-y. Um, and then there's the whole, like, getting introduced to the community and the way of life thing. And then, like, that kind of makes the novel feel different. 
and then right. the trial thing at the, the end. Like to me, that those were like three distinct sections. And even I really think- like the very first chapter where she's like not in in control of her senses even seemed like different, like even more yeah. different. I don't know. I I think you're right when you said that if this feels like a lot of genres mashed into one book. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is yeah. sort of like a mystery, like a detective novel, and it's sort of like yeah, crime. like even there's this whole like mini mystery at the end where Shori, after Shori finds out that Theodora died, she like goes on this whole like investigation to find out who did it, and she's like questioning people and like talking like who was Theodora talking to at the party and like who did yeah. she dance with and like narrowing down like who it was based on like descriptions she gets of people and like sense that she was able to. I don't know, feel off. It, I mean, of, it was like a detective story towards the end. Yeah. I found the first, like, half or maybe two-thirds much more engaging than the last bit. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's really all I have to say about the shift in tone is I didn't like it. So, <laughs> um, I really was like, since I listened to it, too, I was like, fully on board in the beginning, but it, I got kind of bored, yeah. I guess. Like, when it shifted to the trial council stuff. Yeah, and I think because I was reading it, um, I could skim over some of that stuff a little bit. Like, the section at the end where, like, every fucking council member was going through their decision and, like, explaining why, I was like, skim, 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 this guy went this way, this guy went that way, like, I get it, you know, like, I don't need to... Because I don't even know who these people are. You ever listen to an audiobook and you're like zone out because it wasn't holding your attention. Yeah, I like, listened. Fuck, how long do I need to go back? That I happened a lot to all the Song of Ice and Fire books on audiobooks, so yes. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> so you get it. I, I loved listening to Song of Ice and Fire because I could just like stop paying attention Aww. anytime a Sam chapter started um, and not really worry about going back and catching up because I was like, well, subliminally, I did read that chapter, but also I didn't. And I don't feel bad about that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough listen. But I, the first, like, half at least, I thought was a really good, engaging listen. Like, as she was trying to figure figure out what was going on yeah. um, and where she came from. I mean, minus that, that first very hard-to-listen-to oh. sex scene. Uh, it was pretty great. Am I the only person, maybe this is an, an unpopular opinion, but I'm I the only person who is, like, kind of into the sex scenes? Um, I wasn't, no, like, I'm always into sex not scenes. into it. And I think, I was like, this is I mean, surprisingly <laughs> to me, because, you know, I'm usually not like, yes, a sex scene. But, like, I think. Right. They weren't that graphic. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think, like, Butler really tries to emphasize that there is an incredible amount of like love and tenderness in these relationships and they are having mm-hmm. sex, but like there is an emotional component to it too. They're, They're not making just love. Like yeah. it's not um, just straight up raunchy sex scenes for the sake of it. It does have yeah. like a plot reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was something about the like, her like licking or anyone licking the bite after it was like bitten and I was like mm. <laughs> well I could definitely like <laughs> there there is something really interesting about just 
the fact that the bite in and of itself was almost yeah. more sensual than sex. Yeah. Like, there was something, so, to me, like, the sex scenes didn't seem that, like, scandalous, because I was like, well, they're already, like, getting mm-hmm. bitten, and that seems It really, hot, yeah. so. I mean, it really reminded me of, of Anne Rice in that way, because in Anne Rice books, yeah. the vampires biting people is often very sensual, and the people mm-hmm. being bitten mm-hmm. derive a it's lot like, of pleasure from it, and don't know they're getting killed until it's, like, too late. Yeah, it's like that on True yeah, Blood, too. Yeah. I never watched True Blood. That was another thing that reminded me of True Blood was the way that, um, it, well, in True Blood, they, humans get, like, get off on drinking vampire blood, like it's a drug to them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously, like, it's not vampire blood in this, but, like, mm-hmm. the venom of the vampires is also seems to have some sort of, like, um, mm-hmm. drug-like effect on them, so that that kind of reminded me of True Blood as well. Not True Blood, they call it V. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like humans will try to like drain vampires to like sell V yeah. illegally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love this show. Well, I did until it, it got, got real bad. bad. But I'm I'm thinking about it a lot because Justina's rewatching it right now, okay. and I keep hearing the theme song from her bedroom, and I'm like, no, I want to rewatch it. When you and it, you know, like that that whole like opening <laughs> part with like the weird imagery. Yeah. I like it's so it's so it's well perfect. done. Like it's so good. Do we yeah. have any final anyway. thoughts about fledgling? I rated this a very tentative three. Yeah, I, I also <laughs> gave it. I gave it a solid three. Yeah, I think I'm I'm giving it a solid three as well. Yeah. But, I mean, that all feels, it feels right. Yeah. Ooh, I'll say, I'll say to you guys and to anyone else who's hearing the two and threes and thinking, uh, I don't think that this novel is necessarily indicative of Octavia Butler's best work, and I really mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. encourage anyone interested in Octavia Butler to read Bloodchild and other stories, her collection of short stories, or Kindred. I liked it. I didn't not like it. I found it very interesting. And I thought there were a lot of, like, fascinating ideas happening. I just, it lacked an emotional connection for me that kind of made me like it less. Um, But I didn't have a problem with it, per se. I just was, I was, like, along for the ride, but it's over now. And I'm like, all right, you know. But I'm definitely interested in reading more of her work. Yeah, I, I'm giving it a tentative three because I was also along for the ride and was enjoying it. But a lot of times throughout the ride, I kind of felt like, does she know where she's driving us? Because <laughs> yeah. it seemed like, it seemed like it was just <laughs> taking some turns that almost seemed like one of the, you know how like, I mean, everyone's done this exercise before where you're like writing a story in like rounds and like, so you write a little bit of the story and then you pass mm-hmm. it on and someone adds a little bit more to it and <laughs> yes. you pass it on it. It sort of felt like that to where like, by the time we got to the end, I was like, how the hell did we get here? And then suddenly it was like, and I think like the last chapter actually ends like, and that was that or something yeah, like yeah. that. Or And it was like, I just felt, it almost felt like she didn't have a plan. I don't know. So that, yeah. that, to me, I was, like, kind of, like, I don't know. Anyway. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> I would. Yeah. I'm going to just piggyback on that and say, yeah. 
I would like to add my thoughts. I think when the attacks all started happening, I was like, whoa, another one? Whoa, another one? Whoa, hold on. Where have we gone? That being said, I did enjoy it. I just, Mm -hmm. I, having read some of Octavia Butler's other stuff, it's just her other stuff so good. And I wanted more of that. I think I went in expecting this to be more Sci- sci-fi. Um, well, sci-fi. Yeah. I mean, like if they're yeah. aliens, then... in a way. I don't know. Yeah, and the the genetic modification stuff is definitely that's kind of interesting. Like as but, much yeah. as they explain about how the whole their whole like culture works, they don't really explain how the genetic modification thing happens. Yeah. Know. Yep. It, it's interesting the level of detail she went into for some explanations and the complete lack of detail yeah. for other things that I would have been interested in yeah. knowing. Cool. So bottom line, not bad, not good. Read her other stuff. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's not good. <laughs> it's, I mean, not great. It's, it's not fun. amazing. If you're only going to read one vampire novel... <laughs> It should be Interview with a Vampire. If you're going to read a lot of vampire novels, you, sh- you could read this one, perhaps before reading something like Twilight. Yeah, I was just going to say, this could definitely come yeah. before Twilight. Low bar. And if you're going to read one Octavia Butler thing, what should that be, Mary? I would I would say Blood Child and other, and other stories, because it's sort of like a nice encapsulation of all her sci-fi work. <laughs> And hits a lot of themes that she's really known for talking about. And each story is self-contained, but they all work together really nicely. Well, there you have it. Two other things you could read that aren't this. But also, it helps if you read this so you can listen. And but at this point, like if you haven't read it and you've already listened, then... Then thanks for sticking around. Yeah. <laughs> Did you read along with us? If so... Do you have any questions for us about this? I feel like there is probably stuff that we didn't cover. Um, so yeah, please. So much stuff. We have been lacking so emails much. from people about books specifically. Um, well, you know, if you want us to just talk about, you know, politics, write in about mm-hmm. that because we obviously yeah, have feelings. We, literally anything you ask <laughs> us, we'll answer it. Yeah, it's true. You could even ask a really personal question. We should do a Q&A episode. Yeah. We would answer it. Yes. We'd answer it. Mm-hmm. Yep. A Q&A episode? We're just going to add an episode yes. onto the end of every word. <laughs> of everything, yes. This is a vamp episode. No. Symbionticode. Let's have this. some listener feedback yeah about um the, the last the trust episode the, the, the trespasser by tana french which was my pick <laughs> the trespass yes. episode by tana french episode the jesus <laughs> the football episode jesus <laughs> all right so our first our first feedbacks is from alex from New England. Hey, guys. The Welcome truth. back, Alex. Welcome back, Welcome. Alex. So glad to have you. 
Um, subject, shame on y'all. <laughs> we still owe Alex a dollar. Yeah. H? Dear BSG, it's your pal Alex. From the Trespasser episode, it sounds like y'all don't read a ton of mysteries. No big deal. I don't either. But it also sounds like you haven't been reading Robert Galbraith slash J.K. Rowling Karma and Strike series. What gives? I, I'm going to I'm gonna address that later. So just hold your horses. As a non-mystery <laughs> reader, those books were the closest touchstone to Tana French's writing, except there's more gore. Hell yeah. The discussion of literary versus genre is interesting. So here's my question. If you could take any genre novel and have it play out as quote-unquote literary literary fiction, what would it be? And the opposite, what quote-unquote literary fiction novel would you now make into a pulpy genre novel? Example, have Lord of the Rings as a Celeste Ng-type middle-class kitchen sink drama, or The Tempest take place in space like Forbidden Planet? (laughs) Thank you for the podcast. I tried to rate and review it as a tour de force of bitches on iTunes, and now I'm not allowed (laughs) to leave reviews for anything. Alex in New England. (laughs) Well, Alex in New England, let me tell you, that's because Stephen King already took that, and so... You probably got kicked off for plagiarizing Stephen King. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't plagiarize Stephen King. Um, Also, I would like to apologize because I have read all of the Robert Galbraith books, except for the newest one, which just came out, and I have it downloaded on Audible, so I am going to read that, and I'm really, really sorry that I forgot to mention that. I've actually read a lot more mystery, and, like, the more I thought about it, the more mysteries popped up that I was thinking about that I've read, so, like, I'm an asshole. My bad. Also, if you guys didn't know, BBC has a series about the Kermer and Strike books. Um, they're kind of like uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes length as far as, you know, they're like an hour and a half a piece. Um, and I think the first three episodes are on the first book. And then there are two episodes on the second and third book. Um, and obviously, the newest book doesn't have any yet because it just came out. But um, I am in the middle of watching that and enjoying it so far. And you guys should check that out if you haven't seen that. But yes, those books are really good. I actually haven't read them. So thank you, Alex, because now I will. Yeah. Yeah, I've been meaning to read them because Emily I always remember recommends when they... them, which is... I know. I, yeah. I've like talked about them before yeah. and I didn't think, I didn't even think about it because I suck. <laughs> yeah. I feel like after we recorded that night... For days later, you were like, and this book. <laughs> yeah. And this book. Because so, you read a lot of mystery. Yeah, I don't know why. Should we answer this question? Like, yeah, yeah. We can do Sorry. that. Sorry, I, I just mean to, to apologize for being a shitty mystery rememberer. <laughs> but, yeah. No, I've done that. Okay. So we can move on and answer the other question. Susan, I feel like you want to go first. Oh, um, I mean, I can. Um, mm-hmm. okay, so I would like to answer it in the way of what literary fiction would you make into a pulpy genre novel? And I think I would take, um, The Virgin Suicides and make that, like, the pulpiest, pulpy, like, zombie thing. Ooh. They come With back as zombies. a lot of gore. Yes, they come back as zombies. They assist oh. in each other's suicides. It's gonna be crazy. I'd read it. Yeah. I'd read it, too. You could call it The Virgin Zombies. Yeah, sure. We'll workshop the name, but... We can workshop yeah. that. Suicides. Zombie Suicides? Episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'll call it In the Zombie suicide. Community. 
Suicides yeah. are virginal. <laughs> Zombie community. Mm-hmm. I have to think um, about um, What about the other way around? You got one for that? No. <laughs> I'll think about yeah. it, though. <laughs> I mean, really... Ugh, I'm just so tired of literary fiction. It's exhausting. Yeah. Uh, it's just like when things are literary fiction, then I feel like they're trying to be literary fiction, and it's like, Meh. just like be good. I feel like you we know? could and take like you don't have to worry about it. What if we took Super Extra Grande and just made it like a better book? That works. Uh, that would involve an entirely new plot. Yeah, you'd have to like <laughs> it's just a new book. Oh, okay. So that's not really what the question's asking. <laughs> Um, this is hard. Yeah, let me think. Mm, 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 mm. I mean, this has been done so many times, but like, I always think it's fun when a Shakespeare concept, uh, when a Shakespeare play is is made into a genre piece, um, with yeah. like the very basic bones of the story. Yeah. So, I mean, I saw- Gillian Flynn is coming out with her. Hamlet novel, so, and I am here for so it. Into that. So I saw a production of the Revengers tragedy performed, like which, if you don't know, like the Revengers tragedy is a really um, old, like Shakespearean era revenge play, and it reads like Shakespeare basically. And I saw a play of it produced like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Nice. Ooh. And there was a splash zone <laughs> where you had to wear a tarp. Oh, my God. Because blood would splatter on you. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that. So I would like to see, like, a a movie version of that. <laughs> yeah. I went to see Cannibal the Musical, and there was a splash zone, too. It was cool. Yeah. I like a good splash zone. I think I would need to think about this more to give yeah. it. You, Alex, you always ask such thought-provoking answer. questions. I feel like maybe we should read this email beforehand and uh, actually think about think it. Think about it more. But Ooh, I have another one, though. We do yeah. everything off Sorry. the cuff here. We have no plans, and we don't know what we're yeah. doing. So, <gasps> sorry. Susan answered it, though, so we're That's good. That's true. Thanks. I, I have another one, too. <gasps> okay, go. Yeah. Real quick, Fates and Furies, but as, like, a Harlequin romance. Oh, yes. yeah, there you go. There you go. Nice. Okay, now I'm done. Good. Mm. Yeah, that would make it way better, probably. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Jessica from yeah, Durham asks, how does this one rank compared to the other novels in the series? How did you guys feel about the protagonist? Of the so I'm the only one who can answer the first question. Well, I'm. I am like two-thirds of the way through um, In the Woods. Oh, nice. Oh, what, what are you thinking about it? I'm loving it. Yeah. Nice. Straight loving it. More than The Trespasser, yes. would you say? Yes. Cool. Yes, I agree. Um, so I, I guess would, that's I how those compare one. for me. <laughs> yeah. I would rate this one, like, right in the middle. Because it's definitely not my fave, but it's not my least phase? Yeah. That would be the definition of middle. Wouldn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah, I guess it's like a three like is. feelings about the protagonist, because I liked her. I know Mary had some issues with her. Yeah, I didn't really like her that much, but I see how she could be like... <laughs> I, I like... <laughs> I just didn't. 
I like both the protagonist and the supporting supporting lead in in the woods better than I liked the protagonist in the trespasser. Well, buckle up because I really feel like you're gonna enjoy um, the likeness. I know I'm excited too because I know that it's Cassie. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, can't wait. Can't wait for you to read it. Cool. Okay. Uh, Jamie um, from Newark says, compared to other Tana French novels, I loved how it's one simple, quote-unquote, case that leads the detectives to keep circling until they're doubting even themselves. Did you feel like this worked as a standalone? Was this a good place to start in the series? So, those of you guys who haven't read any of the others, how did this work for you guys as a standalone? It worked. I mean, I didn't feel... It, yeah, it works, I didn't feel yeah. like I was missing anything. Yeah. Good. I felt like that also before I started the other one. So Now you feel differently. No, no, I don't mean now I feel differently. I mean, when I had only read one, I felt oh. like it worked by itself. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I don't feel like this is a good place to start in the series, not because it doesn't work as a standalone, but just because, like I was just saying, I don't feel like it's the strongest one, and if... Um, you might not be encouraged. If you really want to, wanna, yeah. <laughs> if you really want to, like, be compelled to like read more of these, I don't feel like this is very representative of like what the yeah. other ones are like. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, I don't know. I don't know how you feel, but like, I, I think a lot of the other ones are a lot darker. Like, I think In the Woods is a lot darker than this one. Yeah. So far. So, which I'm into. I still haven't figured anything out yet. Well, hmm. you might not. <laughs> Great. Great. Yeah. Um, this month, we have a featured bookstore. <gasps> Tell us about the featured bookstore. Actually, I mean, technically, it's the featured bookstore for September, but... No, it's October. We did this on purpose. Wink. Wink. Yeah, mine, really? mine's yeah. going to be November now. Yeah. Oh. We actually did. Okay. Uh, no, we. Sh- I'll start Emily fixed it. We, we do everything on purpose, goddammit! I'm going to start over. Uh, we have a featured bookstore this month. Uh, for the second time in a row, I'm hitting you with a, a new. You're just a world bookstore. traveler, Mary. I know. I went two places over the. <laughs> Um, I had the pleasure of going to Nashville and visiting Parnassus, which is located... Ooh, I love Parnassus! It is a bookstore owned by Anne Patchett. Ooh, she's famous. A well-respected author. Um, I was really blown away by Parnassus when I went in because they have such a wide knowledge of different genres and different types of literature and it seemed like each staff member sort of had a specialty so there was one person who was really knowledgeable about young adult books one person who was really knowledgeable about contemporary literary fiction just like everyone had their own thing and it was clear that they were really passionate and knowledgeable about these books and that's always nice to hear they have uh nice handwritten recommendations posted on the shelves to point out new and exciting things. They also have several book clubs that you can be a part of. They have a young adult book club and a first editions book club um, where they have discussions about books and 
selections for you to read. If you're not there, but you would like to participate in their book club, you can also participate at a distance and have these books mailed to you. Um, oh, I love having books mailed to me for a fee. I know. It's very <laughs> exciting. I would love to join their young adult book club because it seems so fun. And it kind of takes the worrying of figuring out what's trendy off of me. But Mary, you have me for um, that. Remember? I know. Emily's got her pulse on. I got my pulse on the finger. Her finger. <laughs> also, something worth noting is that Parnassus has a really nice poetry section. Yay! Um, I it does. And maybe more in tune to this than before because I am dating a poet. I'm but sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm no, married no, to a good. poet. Help me. <laughs> I am so stuck I being one, so. Am, Susan is a I am poet. romantically interested in a poet. Sorry to the person dating me, also. <laughs> Susan, did you hear that? I just flirted with you. I. Yeah, hey, girl. <laughs> so, like, their poetry section is really nice, and it's not just sort of the classics, it's also really new stuff. Which is not always the case with bookstores. Poetry is often the first section to kind of be crappy, but uh, Parnassus has lots of great poetry, so that was nice to see. They also have lots of great regional books. I could go on and on all day. It is just also a very aesthetically pleasing store with a cool children's section designed in a very cute way. And they also sell lots of book paraphernalia as well. So if you are near Nashville, please check out Parnassus. And if you are not near Nashville... You can always order stuff from their online store or participate in their book clubs via mail. I got an adorable tote bag there. Aww. I also got a tote bag there, and it's really nice. Yeah, I'm gonna... I just get a tote bag. We should post it on Instagram. Our totes. Yeah. We'll be like, totes, cute totes. Yeah. I'll do it. Totes episode. Hey, if you're a bookstore and yeah. you want to send us yeah. some free totes, we'll, we'll rock them. We will we totes rock them. <laughs> <laughs> Little pun there. Oh. What is on the blog and what's coming up next? Well, there's one thing on the blog called YA Back to School. <laughs> Back to School, motherfucker. Y'all. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert. Plain Jane. Really dug it. I'm excited to talk about it. Look, all you have to do to get me interested is mix uh, Jane Eyre with Ghostbusters, and I am there. Speaking of Alex's question. Oh, hey. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I answered it. Um, Just mix Jane Eyre with Ghostbusters, (laughs) and I'm happy. So, yeah, that's on the blog. Also, Kelly, myself... And that poet I mentioned, Todd. <laughs> Todd the poet. Um, have written a group post about Mitski's new album, Be the Cowboy. Um, her new album came out recently. I have been obsessed and haunted by it. Um, as have many people in the world, I think. And we have written a nice reflection of Mitski's work, how this album fits into it, and sort of some themes and imagery from this album. The album's great, so go listen to it, and yes. then read our post. I saw her on The Daily Show. 
Did you like it? She's really, she's really great. I'm obsessed with her. I want to marry her. She's fine. Okay. I also have another thing where I am watching a show called You on Lifetime, and I haven't decided if I'm hate-watching it or not, so I'm going to explore that (laughs) in this blog post. I'm going to figure it out as I write it, so that will be up by now. Susan, did you want to put something on the blog? Because we can make it happen. Hell yeah, we can. I'll be patient. It's okay. <laughs> I just know what my next you... one is for the first time. Well, so. All right. Well, let's put you on there. What are you writing about? <laughs> this is uh, It's just another installment of the pod squad. All right. Nice. Cool. It's going to be about um, um, Dr. Death. Oh, cool. Yeah. The title... Intrigue. Well, hopefully I'll intrigue you with my review. We have ongoing recaps happening. Are you the one? Of Are You the One? Of Are You the One? That's everyone sounds exasperated about it. Oh, so you think you can dance is over? Yeah, it's over. But Are You the One? Still going. Still going strong. Still going strong. Also, it's almost time for Riverdale Can't you guys again. hardly wait to hear us complain about it every single week? Do you guys want Riverdale recaps? Let us know. Write us. Drop us a line. What? Are we screaming into the void? I want Sabrina I want Sabrina the Teenage Witch recaps. Is that, But that's going to be well, all at once, It's hard to right? recap Netflix because it yeah. all comes yeah. out. Yeah. And also, that's not the name of it. It's like something else. It's like... The evil Sabrina. Sabrina, the spooky witch. Yeah. It's like something more... Sabrina, but dark. Yeah. Sabrina, but with John Hamm's daughter. You mean Don Draper's daughter. It's not his daughter. Don Draper's daughter. Betty Draper's daughter. I think it's the adventures of Sabrina or something. It's like the evil spooky adventures though there's something yeah. spooky in the title i swear I to god there is all right yeah uh, anyway it's gonna be awesome well can't wait speaking of spooky yeah our next other episode will be about castle rock Ooh. and there's also going to be an interview with gabrielle moss author of paperback yeah. crush which is totally unrelated a, but whatever a new book it's it's there's some spooky stuff in paperback crush okay, okay? okay. Some spooky teen novels. Yeah. Paperback Crush is a new release from Quirk Books by Gabrielle Moss, and it covers the young adult series of the 80s and 90s. So Sweet Valley High, Babysitter's, Babysitter's Club, Club. all like Sleepover Club, <laughs> like all of these um, awesome, campy series of our childhoods um, are in this book. And it's a really fun read. And I will be talking to Gabrielle in the next episode. Can't wait. Yeah. Yay. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. So Castle Rock for your literal spoops and then Paperback Crush for your romantic spoops. Susan, what's our next book? Episode. Well, our next book is Goodbye Vitamin by Rachel Kong. And I was going to like tell you a little something about it, but my internet's not working. I'm excited so. to read it. I've heard good things. Okay, let me look up something about it. I can tell you that it's published by the same company that I work for, but my opinions are my own. (laughs) Nice. Did you design it? Goodbye, vitamin. It's incredibly poignant. That's what I'm getting. I did make some ads for it, though. I will admit. 
You, or did you do these ones that are on um, uh, Amazon? I, maybe I did. I don't know. They're not loading know. anyway, so. Ah! All right, hold on. Welcome to my life. Let me see. Goodbye, vitamin. Um, so the, let me tell you, um, I'm just looking to get an idea of what this book is about. I'm just looking at the keywords on Mm -hmm. Amazon, the like, you know, the top things that come up in reviews. So here's what I got. Goodbye, vitamin. Rachel Kong. Care for her father. Home to help. Subject matter. (laughs) Which, okay. (laughs) Alzheimer's disease. Take care. History professor. San Francisco. Journal entries. Brother Linus. And highly recommended. Honestly, that tells me everything I need to know. Yeah, this is ringing a bell. I remember remember picking it. That it was a... That it was a come home to help take care of someone's yeah. story. That's, I feel like that's all we really need to know. Just and there's teaser. Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. We don't want the whole... There are no vampires. Yes. Guys. Please, please. Rate and review. Please, please, please. Please. Rate and review this podcast. And subscribe. Please, please subscribe. Please. To this podcast. Please. <laughs> the subscribe button is like right there so i mean if you're already if you're getting in there to listen to one like just move your thumb over a little bit and click subscribe and then you're subscribed and then you never have to go in and download manually again like an old-timey person yeah, exactly also please send us some feedback because we want more feedback we want to hear from you and follow us on social media. That includes any Q&As. Just regular old Q&As. It could be a Q. It could be an A. You could send us any feedback you have to thisquad <laughs> at booksquadgoals.com. Our website is booksquadgoals.com. We are at booksquadgoals on all social media platforms. Just kidding. Not all of them. That would be ridiculous. Um, but you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, and we now have a shop button on our website, so you we can do. order a T-shirt. Thank you for mentioning. Get yourself that. a snazzy tee designed by our very own Kelly. Kelly, you deserve a yeah. treat. Do I? Designed by Kelly. Oh, no! I mean, oh. the listeners deserve, deserve a treat, things. and it's your shirt that she made. Kelly, you deserve a treat. Too. <laughs> can I have like some pie Kelly. or like a cookie? <laughs> Kelly's like, where's yeah. my treat? <laughs> treat? It's Halloween. Trick or treat. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that seems good. Bye. <laughs> okay.